The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Weekends. I'm your host, Big Waz, and I'm joined by the one and only, the great John Krasinski of The Athletic. What's going on, brother? What's going on, Waz? There are two John Krasinskis. I'm not the one and only, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can with it. So I appreciate Bro, you having the, me, man. Uh, you're the real John Krasinski. <laughs> there we go. Remember the when first. we first got on social <laughs> yep. and somebody had our name and we would just be like, the real. <laughs> That's right. John yep. Krasinski. So that's who you are, man. Thanks for coming on today. I had to have you on, man, because I feel the thing is, John, I couldn't remember if I had actually spoke to you for this podcast or I just listened to you on literally every podcast <laughs> that, that I listened to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves preseason. And there was so much optimism I myself shared in that optimism, new ownership group, which I heard is might be in flux, <laughs> new ownership, the Rudy trade, you know, improving upon impressive playoff showing, you know, Anthony Edwards literally probably, no, people were excited about Carl Towns. I shouldn't say that, but like, you know, since Kevin Garnett, it's Carl Towns. Anthony Edwards is exciting Timberwolves. Like there was so much hope and optimism. And just a couple of days ago, Carl Anthony Towns was diagnosed with a calf injury, I believe. Yep. Four to six weeks he's out. They haven't exactly, you know, bursted off of the blocks to start the season. 
What in the hell is happening in Minnesota, John Krasinski? The Timberwolves are happening, Waz. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> Covered this team for a long time, and it seems like every time you think things could be going the right way, they go the wrong way. It has been really interesting. I, you, like you said, I was really optimistic. You know, this is a team that had a, a great season last year. They're fun and exciting. They get to the playoffs. And lose to Memphis in in round one, and basically they look at their team and they say, you know what, we're we're light on rim protection, we're light on rebounding. That's the the key to making the next step. And then they go out and they get the best rim protector and rebounder in the league, and you figure, mm-hmm. okay, it's good to go here. This should be really successful, at least in the regular season. We, we knew there were going to be questions in the playoffs, but at least in the regular season, this should be a team that piles up wins and 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 gets after it. Well, what we've seen is the transition to a Rudy Gobert-centric defense to an offense with Towns and Gobert in as featured elements of it has been really clunky, and it's taken a really long time for guys to figure it out, and they haven't figured it out yet, to be honest with you. And so not only have we seen this team struggle schematically, I think from a defensive and an offensive standpoint, but you also can see that they are not connected as a group Mm. that I think that it's not that they don't like each other. It's not chemistry issues that way. It's that they are trying to play an unconventional style of basketball. And it takes a lot of thinking right now for them to do that. And so they're a step slow on everything and they're not competing as hard. They had a really good win on Wednesday night against Memphis without towns, but by and large, They've just lacked that kind of fire and competitiveness because I think they're really tentative while they try to figure this whole thing out. Yeah, I want to get onto each side of the ball for sure. Mm. But I do want to start on defense because you talk about the new style that they're playing, right? Um, Rudy, notoriously, obviously, probably (laughs) damn near invented the drop coverage (laughs) Defense, right? It's just what he did in Utah where everything was the idea, especially in the regular season when you're not playing these great five out, four out lineups was funnel everything to the paint, funnel it to Rudy. Guys will either take a very highly contested shot or they won't shoot it at all. And that was good for top five defenses for years in Utah, right? Like that, that was the, the, to the point where when they played teams like Dallas and the Clippers before that in the playoffs, when they, when they, you know, sort of had to match up against a five out system, guys didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It was like, is it my job to let guys just dribble past me? No, don't do that. <laughs> right. Not against the five out. Rudy has to either c- contest a wide open layup. Or he's given up a, a wide open corner three, the most efficient shot in the game, the two most efficient shots in the game, right? And we saw how that sort of played out in Utah, but that was the plan. It's like we have this great rim protector. Some would argue one of the greatest of all times. And that's how we're going to orient our defense. Whereas last year, when they found some level of mojo, it was this highly aggressive attack the ball handler, right? Put two on the ball on pick and roll with, with Carl Anthony Towns. And they had the athletes to scramble behind that play. This year, 
it feels like they're doing a sort of melange of both. What have you seen out there with the defensive struggles? Yeah, so it's been a couple of things, and and you're right that here here's what it I think boils down to. We'll go short, and then we'll we'll expand on it. But they are playing the style of defense they're playing now with Rudy is basically the exact opposite of what they did last year. This isn't like a and uh, minor tweaks and adjustments to mm. incorporate. This is an entirely different way of life as a defender when you're playing with Rudy Gobert versus what they did last year. Last year, you had Patrick Beverly, you had Jared Vanderbilt, you had guys who were mobile and kind of tenacious and just ran around with their hair on fire. And I think that what I understand about their reasoning about going this route is they figured, look, we can't sustain that over the course mm. of several years. It takes a lot out of you to do it that way. But the good thing about that system was it did activate Anthony Edwards. It did activate Jaden McDaniels. D'Angelo Russell was sort of able to play more of a free safety. So he wasn't kind of on an Island with guys where he really struggles. And so for that short period of time, it fit the way that that team was built and they were successful. They were 13th in the league in defense last year. And in Minnesota was that's worthy of raising a banner. Like they are always <laughs> awful defensively. So that was a really good improvement. Well, now you bring in Rudy Gobert and you are asking players who are used to playing more on instinct and kind of just running around and using their athleticism to be more controlled and disciplined to kind of like hold the fort a little bit more. And that's where it's not working as well. Mm -hmm. First of all, Carl Anthony Towns is just not a mobile power forward. And he <laughs> is, is having a hard time kind of chasing fours around screens and things like that. That creates problems. Anthony Edwards is really good on the ball. Like when he's right in front of you and it's man on man, he can lock people up, but he loses focus and concentration when he's off the ball. He gets backdoored all the time. Any kind of ball movement and player movement really gives them problems. And now they don't really know when they're supposed to funnel, funnel guys right to Rudy and let him clean it up. And then they don't know when it's time for them to really stay home and engage on their defender, on the guy that they're defending. And so what you see is a lot of layups, a lot of wide open threes. And fine, the final piece of this was is they are a vastly better defense when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. Opponents shoot a much lower percentage at the rim and shoot far fewer shots at the rim. But Rudy has not been his dominant self there. Right. He's averaging like less than 1.4 blocks a game. That And he's usually up around three or more. And so he has not been the overpowering, overwhelming rim protector shot blocker guy that he usually is. And whether that is a step slow coming off of Eurobasket, whether that is trying to learn these new players that he's playing with and, and, and being caught in no man's land, I think there's a multitude of reasons for it. But all in all, you're just seeing a defense that really doesn't know what it's doing yet. And so anytime you pass it more than two or three, two or three times in a possession and you make one hard cut, you're getting a good shot. Like that's generally what it's been. And that's been a huge struggle for them. Yeah. And man, cause there's several levels and layers to competent, great, you know, 
if you're the Boston Celtics, damn, they're historically great defense, right? I think the Timberwolves had gotten to a level where they had a scheme that everybody on the team understood, but it was very, this is all we do. Yes. The best defenses are matchup specific and not just the team that we're playing, the pick and roll partners within that team. We have, we specify our coverage to who's in the pick and roll, right? So you might say, you know what? We're playing the Warriors tonight. We're not going to do job coverage. We're going to blitz every time, mm-hmm. no matter if it's Kevon Looney or Draymond Green playing. Whereas the best defense is like, no, when Draymond sets the screen, we're going to cover it this way. When Kevon Looney comes, we're going to cover it this way. When Clay sets the screen, we're going to do a switch. Like, I think, I feel like that's what the Timberwolves are trying to get to. And, you know, if there's anything to be hopeful of, it's early. Yes. Right. I think, you know, we can use the Milwaukee Bucks as a great example where they get rid of Jason Kidd. Bud comes in there and Bud's like, look, all we're doing is drop coverage. We're going to cover the pick and roll the same every single time, but we're going to master that. And, you know, it doesn't matter when we get to the playoffs and we're playing Kyrie Irving and we're playing these guys who are amazing pull-up jump shooters on pick and roll. We're going to stick to it. And then, you know, years into the system, they're like, no, let's add tweaks. No, let's put Giannis at center. Yo, let's switch. Yo, let's meet him at the level. Yo, let's, you know, they slowly but surely added it, but they had the personnel to be elite at you know, this rigid way of doing it. And then they slowly add it. I feel like that's the, the portion of the program that the Timberwolves are at the beginning portion. It's just the results are not Giannis and Brooke Lopez (laughs) (laughs) and Chris Middleton and Drew Drew Holiday Holiday. levels with their base. And they're trying to figure it all out, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a great point. They're, Two things on that. One is, yes, like we are still only a quarter of the way into their first season playing together. And I talked to Eric Spolster about this when the Heat were in town. And, you know, we all know that they were nine and eight when LeBron and Bosch and Wade and, and the mm-hmm. house was burning and, and they had to kind of batten so down the hatches. Okay. Well, no, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> what I don't want to do is say that, that we're going to be not one, not two, not three, not four. We're not going there. But what I'm saying is like even teams with much greater talent, mm-hmm. with much greater right. uh, combinations of players, a much higher floor. Exactly. Often take long, a, a little while to figure all of this out. Boston Celtics mm-hmm. last year, where were they yep. middle of the season, you know? Yep. So, so I'm not saying that the Wolves are going in that direction, but what I am saying is, is that we have seen better teams with better collections of talent take a while to figure things out. So we can't automatically just say you 20 games into this. 22 games into this that it's never going to work. I think it's way too yeah. early to say that. Definitely too early. For that. And, and that they do need time to play together. But I do think one of the things that is hampering them right now is they do not play very intelligent basketball a lot mm-hmm. of times. And so, you know, when you have 
really smart guys who are in a system, you kind of have the faith in them that the learning curve is going to be rather short, that they're going to figure this out and that eventually things iron out and they get going forward. I think one of the things that Chris Finch is working with, with this group of players is, you know, game recognition, film study, opponent scouting reports. These guys aren't exactly on the (laughs) top of things a lot of times. And I think that that does hurt. You see them make a lot of mental errors that are basic, basic things. And so the, the basketball IQ point of things has really struggled for this team early. And I think that's contributed to why we haven't seen this thing take hold because I do think they have talent. It's just that it's the puzzle pieces are not fitting together. Great right now. So we talked about the defense because I think for me, that's been the focal point, but I think there's cause for concern. I don't want to ring any alarm bells, but I think there's cause for concerns on the offense as well. And the main reason is that I think D'Angelo Russell is never going to be another person. He is who he's going to be for his NBA career. I think the same is true of Carl Towns on offense. He's an offensive specialist, but like his game is, I don't see it maturing past, drastically past the point that it is now. Obviously, we know that's true of Rudy Gobert, right? However, Anthony Edwards is in a developmental stage of his game on offense. And I think the complexities of what's being asked of this group has really had an effect on his output this year, his, his season. We saw, you know, he came out and said, yeah, man, you know, I'm not getting to the rack as much because there's always people down there. <laughs> you know, yeah. he even came out and said like, he's playing in ways that he might not prefer to play. I think even anecdotally, I was watching, you know, a Timberwolves game recently with my brother while I was in Georgia for Thanksgiving. He was like, man, this dude don't go to the rack no more. Mm-hmm. You know, all he do is shoot jumpers now, which feels way. And I think the numbers even bear that out. He's taking more jumpers this year. Like, is this concern, Charlie? Is this guy, you know, a 21-year-old guy? And, you know, these are sort of the growing pains. Or, you know, do you think there's legitimate reason to be concerned about the roster construction and how it might develop how this guy is crafting his game. Well, yeah, I do think when you look at it, it's clear that um, uh, in this roster construction, the one player who has been adversely affected the most is Anthony Edwards. And in many ways, he's their most important player. And Mm -hmm. so that is a concern when you look at it and you say, gosh, this is the guy that we think eventually can develop into the guy, like the number one star leader of a team, you know, can strike fear into the hearts of teams in the playoffs, can, can really take a team and put it on his back like he did against Memphis on Wednesday night. But he seems stifled a little bit. Now, what I have seen from the Timberwolves is that they believe that he just needs time to figure it out. Like he has not really ever run pick and roll with a big like Rudy Gobert. He said before the before the season started, he's never thrown lobs like in a half court <laughs> setting ever, like ever. And so he threw, you know, he threw one to Rudy uh, on on Wednesday night, and it was just like 
seeing the Mona Lisa for the first time, it's like, okay, like this is what is possible, but he needs to learn how to play this way. And I do think that the in the long term, it can be really effective for him, but he is going through major growing pains with it right now. I think over the last week to 10 days, they had a five game winning streak. And then even in these last couple of games where they hadn't played well before Memphis, you started to see him be a little more assertive and just say, look, I'm going to the rack and I'm going to figure this mm. out and I'm going to force you to make calls or, or do something like that. And, and so that's more of the aggressiveness they want to see, but it is no, no, there's no question that he has had a hard time figuring out how to operate in an offense where there are two big dudes to work around. Um, can that happen over the long term and get figured out? I think it could absolutely, but it's been a struggle right now. And one of the reasons that it has been a struggle is that they have gone from the most prolific three point shooting team in the league. They shot more threes than anyone last year. They're, they're taking like 11 less three pointers a game this year. And they're making almost they're it, it, they, they, they're shooting like the Lakers, like they're terrible from, mm-hmm. from there. And so that is really messed with the spacing as well. D'Angelo Russell, super inconsistent, even towns before he got hurt was shooting 32%. And he's usually a 40% three point shooter. When they traded Malik Beasley in that Gobert deal, they didn't get a three point gunner specialist to fill his role. Bryn Forbes is, has not been that guy. Jalen Noel has been up and down with the three point shot. So they have, they, they, there's just a lot. The paint is packed right now because there's not a lot of respect for the outside shooters. I watched the game against Memphis. They were like at one point two for eight from the corner, like from corner threes. That's Edwards. That's Russell. That's Kyle Anderson. That's guys who they, they're just not making those gimme shots. And so when that happens, it just shrinks the floor so much. And that hurts Anthony Edwards as much as the two bigs is. Everyone can just pack in and not let him get to the rack, which is where he can do so much damage. Yeah, uh, you talk about his chemistry or lack thereof with Rudy right now. You know, a lot of times I, I am watching the game and it's it's so fascinating, especially when you're watching a new group and you mentioned the IQ thing. There are guys who, you know, they are so high level in terms of their understanding of what defenses and offenses are trying to do against them, they can go into a new system and not even just execute it, but like understanding what your teammates are about to do, you know, at every single turn. And, and, you know, the Timberwolves have none of that right now. (laughs) But the thing about Rudy that I think guys are also getting used to, especially Ant, is that he actually screens people. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like and doesn't know how to time, do that. Yep. You know what I mean? He, yes. He like Rudy actually plants your guy and you're supposed to do your move or action based on the fact that your guy's actually being screened, right? <laughs> when your pick and roll partner is called Towns, where the idea is like, you know, I'm sort of feigning it so I could get out to the three point line or this or that. It's just a completely different proposition. And no, Rudy's going to hit the guy mm-hmm. and then he's going to roll. And I should be looking for him because the sort of chain reactions that happens when a defender gets solidly screened and the people behind the play have to react to that and what that means for the guy that set the screen. I think Ant is learning 
what that scenario means, right? How that unfolds. And yes, it's only 20 games in with a new mm. teammate, but I'm watching it. Sometimes it's like, yo, Rudy's open. Yep. You know, and Rudy actually is in a, is in a point of his career where he might get the ball on a pick and roll and make a pass to the corner. Mm-hmm. He's not super one dimensional. And, and you know, it's crazy hearing myself say this because I've been one of the most critical Rudy Gobert people ever. But I don't think he's unworkable in what the Wolves have. And so that's why I'm a little bit bullish about what the future may hold. But, man, it's 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 hard to watch this team and not think about Utah. <laughs> and I watch Beasley and Vanderbilt like, damn, the Wolves can really use these two dudes right <laughs> now. It's kind of crazy. But where do you see the sort of, I don't want to say ray of hope, but like, mm-hmm you know, actual gains being made and improvements where you're like, all right, these are things that these guys are building on. Yeah, I think like your your point about the screening is totally right because you can see that Ant doesn't know how to use that screen yet. And he is used to playing with Towns who, look, there's no bigger fan of an offensive player of his capabilities than than I am just in watching the way that he can shoot it. He can go to the basket. He can pass it. He's a super efficient, super reliable. I love Towns' offensive game. But one of the things that he is terrible at is setting screens. And he was always picking up offensive fouls because he's always moving. He never made full contact with the the player that he was screening. And so Ant, I don't think, ever got used to playing like that where if I – am coming off of a Rudy Gobert screen, the whole thing is going to open up both for me and for him. And, and so I think as that chemistry builds, there is a ray of hope there. As Ant learns how to use that screen, learns how to find Rudy on the roll and, and things like that, there's going to be a whole nother world that does open up for the Wolves that way. And I will say too, the one thing that Rudy has to work on that is a problem right now. And it was a problem in Utah is he does not catch the ball, man. Mm. You know, there's been Delos throwing some great lobs to him and has thrown some passes in traffic that slip through his fingers or he fumbles or one way or another. And that reduces the confidence that his teammates have in him to engage him more in the offense. Like you said, right. he, he does have capabilities of being a passer of facilitating a little bit more. We saw that in Eurobasket with France. But right now, I think that there is a hesitation on some players' yeah. parts because they've tried that and Rudy is is turning the ball over. And so yeah. if, if they can get that kind of stuff down and short up a little bit, then I do think things are going to open up here. And it is going to be interesting to watch them over these next four to six weeks while Cat is out because they will they are going from playing very unconventionally to now very conventionally. You have a big and a wing attacking off spread pick and roll and that might just be a more natural fit right now for them and then they can kind of layer on top of that if they can start to kind of simplify and get back to basics a little bit and get a little flow going that way. 
Looking to get more out of the NBA this season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to touchdown scores to overs and under yards. My favorite bet right now, Friday night, the Pacers are playing at the Utah Jazz. They are a five-point underdog. I actually like the Pacers' money line here. I think eventually Utah has to embrace their destiny as a team that does not want to win. And I think that starts tonight against the Pacers. Take that Pacers money line. That's free money for you guys. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance for bigger payouts with the same game parlay. FanDuel is also live in Maryland. Marylanders, make sure you get in on the action also with great offers boosts just for you. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with the promo code RINGERNBA. That's promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 188-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 18778 hope ny or text hope ny in New York, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. 
Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. All right. We we we've been really diligent and, and responsible uh talking about nuts and bolts, Timberwolf stuff, but I want to get a little spicy. Yeah. And aggregators, relax. This is all <laughs> speculation, conjecture, things that I heard through the grapevine. But I heard John Krasinski and, you know, you on the ground. So please let me know if you've heard anything similar or whatever. I heard Alex Rodriguez and his group missed the deadline for a payment Mm -hmm. involved in the transition of this team's ownership. Is that true? Is A-Rod a broke boy? Is this thing not going to happen? (laughs) That is not true, Waz. The deadline for the next payment that they have is December 31st. So I will tell you that there are people around the league that have their doubts about Mm. Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie being able to come up with the money that they need to Mm. complete the transaction. That's been a real sort of point of speculation since, since they came on. So you're not inaccurate in terms of hearing questions about their ability to close the deal. I'll, I can tell you that boots on the ground here, speaking to Glenn Taylor, who is the man in charge of this whole thing. He does not have doubts yet about that. He believes in these guys. He has a good relationship with them. He thinks that the, that all of this is going to go through from everything I've heard from the A-Rod and Lori side of things. They maintain they're on track and that things are in control. Now we will see. Like, I mean, there are deadlines that come and, and so sooner or later, the rubber is going to meet the road there, but everybody internally right here in Minnesota is very confident that it's all going to work out, that everything is in place and, and going forward very smoothly. But there is a lot of speculation swirling outside of Minnesota about the ability of this group to close that deal. But so far from everyone that I've talked to directly involved, they maintain that everything is good. We will see how that all works out, but I'm going to just kind of believe that until I have evidence of otherwise and, and, Alex Rodriguez and Lori are still at all of these games. They're very much involved. They're trying to plan for the future. They were huge in hiring Tim Connolly away from Denver. And so they remain huge fixtures here and they, they're f- fully confident they're going to do it. So we'll see, but that's, that's, that's the feeling on the ground here. Well, yeah. I, and the reason I say that is because like, if there's any truth to the idea that these guys might not be able to afford the team, even at a discount because Glenn Taylor fucking loves A-Rod for whatever reason. That's a disaster, right? Like They spearheaded this Rudy deal, gave up all of these assets to do so. They are, for all intents and purposes, sort of steering this ship um, and made decisions that have very long-term ramifications. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I think that'll be highly problematic. And just one more spicy thing. If this thing, I don't think so, and I honestly want to see it work, but if this thing keeps going in a direction where it feels like it's not going to work as optimally as people like me and you thought that it would when the deal went down, why isn't Carl Towns the odd man out here? I, I don't know that he isn't, to be honest with you. Now, I think that 
obviously, so we watched the game last night against Memphis. They play well defensively. They win the game without Carl Anthony Towns. There's an immediate jump to, oh, okay, trade him. Make this ants team. Let's go. <laughs> and, and it's just like slow down here for that because I will tell you that one of Anthony Edwards big things so far has been inconsistency like he will play great one night and he will play poorly and detach the next night and that is a 21 year old that's just what they do while they're figuring things out it's nothing against him he's just trying to figure out how to be consistent so we will see how he plays against OKC on Saturday and see if that's different but there's going to be some knee jerk reaction early if they play decently and like, okay, this is it. I believe that Carl Anthony Towns is a big part of their plans going forward. They very much want him and Rudy to play together. They believe it can work. And so all of the plans are to go forward with this group. That said, if we get to the end of the season and they're in the lottery, and you are looking at a, a season long sample of this roster construction just not working. Well, they gave up a ton of picks and assets for Rudy Gobert. How would you recoup those assets the quickest? Right. He, it, you're, it, you're not trading Anthony Edwards. That's not an option. So maybe it is you, you look at, you know, finding a better fit for Carl somewhere else and, and recouping some of those draft picks, getting some different kind of players in a package that fit better around, you know, Ant and Jaden McDaniels and Rudy. Cause Jaden McDaniels, I think is going to be a really, really good player in this league for a long time. So there, there is that option available to them. Again, I will stress, stress, stress. They don't want to do that. They don't plan to do that, but. It's not like they are stuck in a corner if this doesn't work. Like there's a lot of doom and gloom out there right now of like they've lost everything. There's nothing. They have no outs here. No, they have a big out if they really have to do it mm-hmm. and in a way of, of, of resetting a little bit. So I don't anticipate that to happen. I know they don't want that to happen. But if for whatever reason this thing really collapses and there's just no hope that this group is going to work together, they have other options going forward. That being the big bullet to fire to kind of have another significant recasting of what they're going to do here. Yeah, I think the hard truth and reality of sports is that it's a results based business. And with Carl Towns, if this just straight up does not work. The cold reality is that the best you've ever done for us amidst an innumerable, an innumerable amount of roster construction types is six games in the first round, my brother. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, it's not me, it's you. You know how when you break up with a chick, you say it's not you, it's me? <laughs> yeah. It's not me. It's you, Carl Towns. You're the issue. We got you everything. And it's never worked. And the bottom line is, John, I've seen second round teams, first seeds in the West, all kinds of success based around teams that were built around Rudy Gobert. What the hell has Carl Towns yielded for his franchise with teams built around him? And now with this latest where it's like we literally get a guy that covers all of your deficiencies and it still don't work. It becomes an obvious 
truth. Like, you know, if we want to reset or change things up around here, it's got to be called Towns. And for all the reasons you just so perfectly laid out. But yeah, I, I think the Timberwolves remain a fascinating team from ownership to management to roster construction to play style to all of that. And, and, and I'll definitely be watching them this year. Obviously, I love reading your coverage and, and, and paying attention to what you're doing with the team. John, obviously, these people know where to find you, but please tell the people where they can find you and your incredible work. I appreciate it, Waz. Last thing on Towns before we go, a reminder for everyone who likes to blame him. He has had seven GMs and five head coaches in eight years. It's tough. And so it is when if that pairing were to happen or parting were to happen and the Wolves tried to play the it's not me, it's you card. Towns could play that right back in their face pretty easily. Not exactly a model NBA no, franchise. No, not exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I just wanted to say that. But um, but yes, thanks for having me. You know I love you. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at John Krasinski, J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. You can find me at The Athletic, theathletic.com for Timberwolves and NBA coverage, sprinkling a little Vikings here and there as well. Trying to get my Instagram game going a little bit if if Twitter falls (laughs) apart. So you can find me on there as well. But I appreciate letting me on here. It's always great chopping it up with you. Of course, John. And obviously, you know, I love you right back. That's our show for today. Make sure you're checking out all of the other offerings on the Ringer NBA feed, group chat, the answer, real ones. You know what we do over here. We'll see you guys next week. Weekends with Waz. We're out of here. Peace.